in May of 2003, I was in Washington, D.C. for the National Day of Prayer. Back then, I was working with, I was working here. I was also working with Harvest Prayer Ministries. I was also working with the National Prayer Committee, and I was working with another prayer ministry. And so I had been invited to come out and participate in the National Day of Prayer. And, uh, and make no mistake, I was, I was kind of a big shot, right? I was, a, I was a big deal. But not so big of a deal that, uh, that my presence was actually noticed. There were, there were events that took place during the time we were there, and, and all of my friends that I worked with had invitations to these events. They had invitations to the White House. They had invitation to a midnight tour of the Capitol building. And so when we went out for dinner, the first night we were there, and we got done eating, they dropped me off at the National Mall and said, you've got to find your way back. We have a tour of the Capitol building. I said, just take me along. No, you can't do that. You, you have to have an invitation. I said, come on. What am I going to do? No. So they left me at the mall. By the way, if you ever go to Washington, there's no stores at the mall. Not even a gap. There's nothing. You know, I couldn't buy anything. It's a bunch of old stuff. Anyway. So I enjoyed the mall. It was a beautiful, beautiful walk. And my friends enjoyed their tour. Now, while I didn't have invitations to that, I had made a friend. Uh, I met a, a guy named David who was one of the chaplains at the Pentagon. And in our correspondence over the weeks before the National Day of Prayer, David said, hey, if you're interested in a tour of the Pentagon, let me know, and I'll arrange for that. And I said, yes, I want a tour of the Pentagon. So David had made the arrangements. I showed up at the Pentagon. They let me in. And my friend David met me at security, and he said, come with me. And so we ran through the building, and we went down into these tunnels. I think there were aliens over here and stuff. And, and uh, we popped back out in the center courtyard of the Pentagon, and we made our way across the courtyard, and we walked back into the building, back down into another tunnel, popped back out, and we came out in the chapel, the prayer room at the Pentagon, which is where the plane had come through uh, about a little less than two years before. And we stood there in the, in the prayer room and just prayed, and it was amazing. And then after, after that, David took me back to the entry area where security was, and he said, let's get you a, a, an official tour. So we, we get back to the entry area, and there were three young men there in dress uniforms, Army, Navy, and Marine. I don't know where the Air Force guy was, but there were three of them there in dress uniforms. And uh, they were the ones that gave tours to people who were visiting. So David went up and said, hey, this is my friend. He's come a long way, and he needs a tour. And they said, tours are closed. We're done. There's no more tours today. And David said, oh, I've promised him a tour. And they said, no, I'm sorry. We're, we're done. We're calling it off. There's no one else here. And David said, is there anything you can do? And they said, no, we, we're done. And then my friend David reached into his pocket and pulled out a business card. And you've all seen this room on TV. It's where they conduct the, the interviews and the press conferences. And there's a blue curtain and there's a wooden podium there. And David took that business card and he said, what about now? And suddenly there was time for one more tour. 
And those three young men, all of them dressed very, very nicely, they went over and they conferred with one another. They played a quick game of odds and evens, you know. And what I'm guessing was the winner got the opportunity to give me a tour of the Pentagon. Now, I asked David afterwards, what was on that card? And he said, that card belonged to the general who is in charge of the tours. He had given it to me at a prayer breakfast, and he told me, if you ever need anything, you show them this card and it will get done. Jesus tells us in John 14, 14, if you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If we're not careful, those words become magic words to us, though. If we're not careful, it becomes rubbing the, the, the lamp and the genie comes out and we've got three wishes and the genie has to give us those three wishes. Th those aren't magic words. And, and the reality is, as pretty as it sounds and as right as it sounds for us to pray and then tack those words on at the end, and in Jesus' name we pray, Amen. When we tack those on, that is no guarantee that we are actually praying in Jesus' name. But there is an incredible promise here for prayer, not just for answers to prayer, but for relationship, for encountering God, and for knowing Jesus. So what does it mean to pray in Jesus' name? Well, much like that general who gave my friend his business card, it means that we are praying in the authority of Jesus. We're going to take a closer look at this text in John chapter 14. We're going to look at verses 12 through 14. And if you're using those Bibles that we've got in the pews for you, it's page 901 there. This, uh, this event that we're reading about takes place in the upper room the night before the crucifixion. Jesus and His disciples, His friends, have gathered for a meal. Uh, they're sharing the Passover. It's what we've come to call the Last Supper. And Jesus is preparing them for what's ahead. And, and immediately before this passage we're going to read, if you look back in verse 8, there's this very interesting exchange between Philip and Jesus. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and that's enough for us. Lord, let us see God, and, and we won't bother you with anything else. That's, it's that simple. Just show us God, and, and we'll be done. Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe me? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does his work. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. And so now, as we continue on in verse 12, Jesus invites the disciples and He invites us into that relationship that He shares with the Father. He says in verse 12, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in Me will also do the works I do, and greater works than these will He do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in My name, this I will do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, 
I will do it. Now the next morning, Jesus will stand trial before Pilate. And during that trial, during that conversation with Pilate, Pilate will ask Jesus, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus will respond and say, my kingdom is not of this world. So Jesus' authority as king is different from the authority of other kings. It's not about territory. It's not about land. It's not about borders and walls. It's about hearts. It's about people who submit to Him as their Lord and people who are willing to live under His authority. That's right there in the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. We've prayed it over and over again. You've seen it many times. It's there in the Lord's Prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, God's will is done perfectly. It is done without hesitation. It is done without compromise. It is done without confusion. It is done without questioning. On earth, God's will is done by us. <laughs> and we are flawed. And sometimes we are confused. And sometimes... Uh, we are questioning, and sometimes we are tempted. And so we pray, your kingdom come. And when we pray your kingdom come, we are praying your reign, Jesus, your reign come into my life, into my heart, in my motives, in my desires, in my emotions, in my thoughts, in my commitments. Let your reign come. Let your kingdom come. So praying in Jesus' name, is prayer that submits to His authority for our lives. It allows our entire beings to become channels for His will um, to be done in this world. Now, sometimes that's easy. Sometimes what that looks like is easy. We could go to Matthew 28, verse 18, where Jesus says, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to Me, therefore you go and make disciples. That's easy to figure out. We're supposed to be making disciples. We're supposed to be bringing other people into the kingdom. We're supposed to be creating new Christians. But sometimes it's hard. What does that look like specifically in my life? What does it look like for me to do the will of God? When it comes down to me, what, what does it look like? What do I do? What does it look like for me to submit to the authority of Jesus? And that's when we see that praying in Jesus' name isn't just about authority, but it's about praying in His purpose. And Jesus' purpose is to glorify the Father. He spells that out for us in verse 13. He says, Whatever you ask in My name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So the whatever there in verse 13 isn't about whatever I want, whatever's on My heart, whatever I think is best. The whatever there in verse 13 is about whatever will bring the Father, glory. It's that our lives, our prayers, our desires might match Jesus's, that we might share His purpose and that God would be glorified through us. We have some big problems. One of our biggest problems is we live our lives out of order. We don't live our lives in the right order. And so things that should be on the top of our list of things that we need the most, they're way down here. And things that ought to be way down here, we put those on the top. You know, you think about our prayers, you think about the things that we're concerned about and the things we pray, we end up praying about our health and our wealth 
and our happiness and the things that we want, the things that we think that we need, we pray about those first. Those are way up here. And then things like peace and deeper commitment and greater love and uh, grace and mercy, those things end up being way down here. And occasionally, we might throw in a prayer and say, Father, whatever, whatever you give us, we just want you to be glorified. But you look at Jesus. In Luke chapter, or excuse me, in Philippians chapter 2, Paul describes the life that Jesus lived. And in verses 8 through 11 of Philippians 2, Paul says of Jesus, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Everything about His being, everything that He did, all that He suffered, led to glorifying God. That was the focus of His life. And here in, here in John 14, it's the focus of prayers in his name there are a lot of things that we want there are a lot of things that we want and some of them are very good things but the question is do we want them for ourselves or do we want them so that god can be glorified through them we have to admit we can be selfish we can be very selfish on a lot of occasions we're already selfish and then you throw in sickness or you throw in a tragedy uh, and we can get all the more selfish, and understandably so. Suddenly it's all about me. It's all about my wants, my comfort, my happiness. But if we're praying in Jesus' name, we have to look at Jesus' prayers. And we have to understand His greatest desire. And that moment of His greatest desire was, Lord, if it be Your will, let this cup pass from Me. And yet, Lord, not as I will, but as You will. In so many situations when I pray, in so many situations, my prayer has just become, Lord, glorify Yourself in this. Lord, just glorify Yourself in this. We want healing. We want wholeness. But first of all, we want You to be glorified. And when God has brought healing, and He does, we glorify Him. We have glorified Him in that. But in those times that He hasn't, we've found purpose in pain. We have found worship even in suffering. And we've allowed God into those most difficult moments that we've experienced. And we have glorified Him. And that's when we see that praying in Jesus' name also means praying with the confidence of Jesus. Praying with Jesus' confidence. There's an old story about Abraham Lincoln. Shortly after the, the Civil War there in Washington, D.C., there was a Confederate soldier, and he couldn't get into the White House either. Just like me. He was sitting on, the, sitting on the wall outside the White House, just looking very dejected, looking very lost. And, and the story is that a young boy came up to this soldier and said, what's the matter? Why are you looking so sad? And the soldier said, I want to meet with the president. I want an audience with the president. And he explained to the boy that, there had been certain promises made to soldiers after the war. Promises of land, promises of opportunities, promises of money, and those promises had not been kept. And he said, I want to meet with the president 
and find out why these promises have not been kept. But every time he would go up to the White House, the guards would take their guns and their bayonets and they would cross them and keep him from walking in. The little boy reached out his hand, took the soldier by the hand, walked him right up to the White House, walked him past the guards, walked him right in the front door, and walked him right into the library where Lincoln was resting and introduced this soldier to the president. Now the boy, of course, was Tad Lincoln, the president's son. The soldier got a meeting with the president because of the president's son. It's a great story. Whether it's true or not, I'm not sure, but it makes a, an, a, point that, it makes a point that we need to understand. We don't come to God on our own. It's not our own goodness. It's not the good things that we've done. It's not our own greatness that gains us a hearing with God. It's not even the depths of our suffering or the greatness of our need. We come because of Jesus. Jesus says in John 14.14, if you ask anything in My name, I will do it. And there is tremendous confidence in that statement. The Son makes it possible for us to know the Father. The Son makes it possible for us to be heard by the Father. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 says, since, we, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. We recognize that salvation is through Jesus' sacrifice. I think we get that. I think we understand that. It is grace. Salvation is not something that you and I have earned. We do not merit it. We do not earn our way to heaven. It is a gift. But what we have to see is that's also true of prayer. It is the Son who allows us to march into the presence of the Father. Hebrews says that through Jesus, we can approach the Father with confidence. We can approach Him with, with confidence because Jesus is welcome in His presence. Therefore, we are welcome in His presence because Jesus and the Father are one. We can come to Him. We can know Him. And did you see what we get? In verse 16 there, verse 16 says, so that you may receive mercy and find grace in time of need. Those are those needs that are way up here. Those are those needs that are way up here. And too often we put them way down here at the bottom of our list. Those are the needs that we have to have. Those are the needs that we can't make it out of this life without. We can't make it out of this world. We have, and we receive them from the Father because we know the Son. This is actually my business card. I could give this to you. And uh, it would not get you into the most secure building in the country. I'm not even sure it would get you into here. I don't know exactly where this card would get you. It's not worth a lot. It wouldn't mean much if you flashed this and said, what about now? It's not going to get you anywhere. But the beautiful thing about prayer is that Jesus didn't give us His card and say, here, use this whenever you need it. He didn't give us a card with His name on it. 
He invites us into a relationship with Him and with the Father. And it's an invitation to know Him. It's an invitation to know His will. It's an invitation that through our prayers, His will might be done as perfectly here on earth as it is in heaven. And I love what Paul says. Paul says, it's the name that is above every name. The name that is above every other name. And that is so important to realize because in our prayers, we can feel so weak sometimes. And we can feel so small. And we can feel so lost. And so when we pray, we're not, even, we're not praying, Lord, in my name I pray. You're not even praying, Lord, in Brett's name I pray. That would be a bad idea. We're praying in Jesus' name. We're praying in the name that is above every other name. The name of Jesus is greater than the name autism. The name of Jesus is greater than MS. The name of Jesus is, is greater than brain tumor. The name of Jesus is greater than cancer. The name of Jesus is greater than depression. The name of Jesus is greater than addiction. Anything that you can name that can come against you, you always know that there is one name that's bigger. One name that is greater, and you have the gift of approaching God in that name. You have the confidence of approaching God in that name. And that name is bigger than the name of your sin. Some people like to name our sins for us. Some people like to remind us of our sins. Sometimes we remind ourselves and we name our own sins to ourselves. The name of Jesus is greater than the name of your sin. The name of Jesus is greater than your failure. The name of Jesus is greater than all that you aren't. We're going to pray in Jesus' name. We're going to come to the table. and We're going to remind ourselves of the gift that was given to us to open the way to the Father. Let's pray.